as it turns out, Dean came in and had a root beer at the Eastside Club tonight. You know, the barbershop is empty. All those open for some 50, 60 odd years. Christopher just found out that it was closed. <laughs> but I'm out in the back porch at Derek's house. And Mike's here, and Christopher's here, and Lisa's here. And you know, today I was driving with Ben in his car a bit today, and he was listening to Jack Kerouac's On the Road, and I didn't even realize it was On the Road. It was some spoken word coming out from a CD player, and I was like, uh, what are you listening to? And he said, On the Road. But you know, it was so plain vanilla, I couldn't even understand what he was talking about. It just didn't feel right. So, try and make up for that buzzkill. I'm going to read uh, a little bit of On the Road tonight take my turn with that and see what else comes on up. And this is number 10 of Postcards from Gravelly Beach. I don't like you when you're with them. Ah, it's alright, it's just kicks. We only live once, we're only having a good time. No, it's sad and I don't like it. Then Mary Lou began making love to me. She said Dean was going to stay with Camille and she wanted me to go with her. Come back to San Francisco with us. We'll live together. I'll be a good girl for you. But I knew Dean loved Mary Lou, and I also knew Mary Lou was doing this to make Lucille jealous, and I wanted nothing of it. Stale and all, I licked my lips for the luscious blonde. Then Lucille saw Mary Lou pushing me into the corners and giving me the word and forcing kisses on me. She accepted Dean's invitation to go out in the car. But they just talked and drank some of the southern moonshine left in the compartment. Everything was being mixed up and all was fallen. I knew my affair with Lucille wouldn't last much longer. She wanted me to be her way. She was married to a longshoreman who treated her badly. I was willing, willing to marry her and take her baby daughter and all if she divorced the husband, but there wasn't even enough money to get a divorce and the whole thing was hopeless. Besides, we just wish Lucille would never understand me because I liked too many things and get all confused and hung up running from one fallen star to another till I drop. This is the night, what it does to you. I had nothing to offer anybody but my own confusion. Skipping ahead. Behind. I went to sit in the bus station think this over. I ate another apple pie and ice cream. That's practically all I ate the way across the country. I knew it was nutritious, and it was delicious, of course. I decided to gamble. I took a bus in downtown Davenport after spending a half hour watching a waitress in the bus station cafe, and rode to the city limits, but this time near the gas stations. Here the big trucks roared, wham, and inside two minutes, one of them cranked to a stop for me. I ran for it with my soul whooping. And what a driver, though a great big tough truck driver with poppin' eyes and a hoarse raspy voice, which just slammed and kicked at everything, got his rig underway and paid hardly any attention to me. So I could rest my tired soul a little for one of the biggest troubles hitching is having to talk to innumerable people. Make them feel that they didn't make a mistake picking you up, even entertain them almost, all of which is a great strain when you're going all the way and don't plan to sleep in hotels. The guy just yelled above the road and all I had to do was yell back and we relaxed. And he bawled that thing clear to Iowa City and yelled me the funniest stories about how he got around the law in every town that had an unfair speed limit, saying over and over again, Them goddamn cops can't put no flaws on my ass! 
Just as we rolled into Iowa City, he saw another truck coming behind us. And because he had to turn off at Iowa City, he blinked his taillights at the other guy and slowed down for me to jump on out. Which I did with my bag, and the other truck, acknowledging this exchange, stopped for me. And once again, in the twink of nothing, I was in another big high cab. All set to go hundreds of miles across the night, and was I happy. And the new truck driver was as crazy as the other and yelled just as much, and all I had to do was lean back and roll on. Now I could see Denver looming ahead of me like the promised land, way out beneath the stars, across the prairie of Iowa and the plains of Nebraska. And I could see the greater vision of San Francisco, beyond like a jewel in the night. He bawled to Jack and told stories for a couple hours. Then, at a town in Iowa, where years later Dean and I stopped on suspicion in what looked like a stolen Cadillac, he slept a few hours in the seat. I slept too, and took one little walk along the lonely brick walls illuminated by one lamp with the prairie brooding at the end of each little street and the smell of corn and like dew in the night. He woke up with the start at dawn. Here's mine. Three days and eleven dollars, November nineteen ninety-one. Darren's doing the thumbing, Dave's smiling, holding the sign. Take us to the White House, it says. It's morning in South Carolina. Always a chance to see alligators, the smell of seawater, and two shaggy-haired fellows on the side of the road of the dusty highway. To know exactly what time it is violates my brother Dave's rule of hitching. Never wear a watch, he said. This is rule one. The sign changed when the curious passerby asked if they were going to the tapas bar up the road in Myrtle Beach. The sign changes with the help of a piece of wrapping paper and a handy crayon. The sign now says, Rhode Island, despite fears of Confederate hostility. Signs, says Dave, are rule number two. That way you aren't a vagabond, you're a traveler. Dave says he likes to hitchhike. You meet new people, he says. Some are friendly and invite you in for a meal and bed. Others shit at you, but it all works out. Hitchhikes are always different. Sometimes you have no particular place to go and it's fine spend a week going to the next town. Sometimes a semantic dash for a distant point, as in this situation. A shiny Mercedes with a busy man on a cellular phone waves the bleary traveler, bleary-eyed travelers in. An early morning hassle from an unfriendly state park ranger got the day off to a foggy start. Something about five dollars for sleeping there. This isn't a rule, but instead a rule of thumb. Expect hassles from anyone with a badge. The Mercedes guy works as a tax lawyer and is anxious to buy a round of meals from a fast food chain drive-thru. Next rule says to offer something in return for kindness shown, or else give a good deed to someone else. There's something karmic here. Good energy and positive vibrations are important, says Dave. I'm not sure if it's a rule, but something beautiful, nebulous, and probably very true. Next ride name is Matt, and he's skipping second period from high school to smoke a joint. Y'all been to the Jerry Garcia show in Charlotte, he asks. A 
college frat boy going to grocery shopping drops him off at the supermarket where they hop into a car with three Denny's waitresses who invite him to party that night. An eloping couple with a bottle of early times 110 proof take them up to the shady gas station to try and get at least to North Carolina for the day. The dealer around the corner makes sure they aren't cutting in on his business and everyone else eyes his signs squinty-eyed. A construction foreman says he'll be off in an hour and if they're still there he'll haul him up the road. After an offer to go to Alabama or to a nuclear reactor site, the pickup returned. They headed up dark back roads and twisting roads with no signs while the driver asked what, what would happen if they disappeared. I told him to just talk to someone at the last stop, says Dave. They hopped out late late at night in an intersection of two highways, they hopped two fences and ditches and threw their sleeping bags into grass for annoying sleep with the drone of downshifting diesels. Next morning, as they walked back to the freeway, they see an entrance sign. Sewage treatment plant and police firing range. I imagine when you're on a beeline, econoclast trek northward in early winter, you can't be choosy. Volume 10 of Postcards from a Gravelly Beach slowly draws to a close. Of course, that was the Jack Kerouac's on the road and uh, a little something of my own that I wrote for someone else, hence the awkward third person. And uh, today's episode was brought to you by the letter J, the emotion confusion, the constellation Orion, and this fine tasty beer that I'm drinking. O'Hara is something or other, some Irish stout, but man is it tasty. As for what's next on Postcards from Gravelly Beach, well, I really have no idea. So just check back and we'll both figure that out. This is Devo, signing out from